You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. How many um, James Bond movies have we reviewed on this podcast, Sid Talk? I do not know. If you didn't know the answer to that right away, you shouldn't have asked. You know what I'm going for? <laughs> Zero. I don't think we've actually reviewed one. I think this might be the first one. I don't know. You're going to have to go back to your website and look at all the reviews. Because we do. I, like, I have the uh, bo- box set. We just watch them. True. Yeah, so I don't think we review them. This might be the... Oh, we're reviewing a James Bond film today. Yeah, we are. Um, but you're not... But the, see, your data may be incorrect. No, I think it's right. You think, but yeah. that's not... No, I'm pretty... I'm, I I'm about you. 99% sure we've never reviewed one. Maybe I, we've talked about them. I need proof. But never actually. This is not the before the after the show discussion. The before the after the show discussion was you telling me shit about this movie and about Bond movies. There's a lot of trivia about this movie. Yeah, I'm sorry, trivia. One of my favorite things (laughs) after I've watched a movie is to go to IMDb and look in the trivia section. I always find it really fascinating, like the different things that happen on the set, the different people who might have been cast, you know, all that kind of thing. And then, like, thinking about it and thinking, ooh, you know, it could have been a whole different movie if... For instance, this movie, Spectre, the bad guy was going to be Gary Oldman originally. So, you know, how different a vibe would that be with a Gary Oldman in in place of Mr. Christoph? Skyfall Waltz? Blu-ray review oh. on ascully.com. <laughs> no, I said 99%. Uh, but you see, you were trying to sell it as if you were right, and you're not right. Yeah, we did review Skyfall. I do remember, and yeah, it got an excellent review from us. Anyway, it is... 8 out of 10. It is Saturday, May the 7th. This is after the show 426. The movie we're looking at this week, if you don't already know, is James Bond 007 Inspector. This is a 2015 movie. You can get it now on Blu-ray. It's rated PG-13, and it's from our friends at Fox. And Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of Spectre. Really? I have to give you a synopsis of a Bond movie. There's yeah. James Bond. He's a spy guy for England. MI5. Whatever. And uh, Six. it's a bad guy who belongs to an organization that's sort of the evil versus the good, with quotation marks around everything. And, uh, does it really? <laughs> I mean, it's Spectre versus he Bond. Goes- it's not like, it's not super complicated. And this is the 24th Bond movie, making it the longest running series of feature film movies of all time. So, um, Spectre. Let's first say, what is your relationship with James Bond? <laughs> well, I met him one time and he immediately had sex with him. Yeah, that's Just what like he <laughs> did with me too. He is with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about it. No, uh, that's what he does. I never really watched many Bond movies. I would watch them when they were on. I went and saw a couple in the 90s. Maybe. You know, so it wasn't that big a deal to me. Then uh, someone gave you the box set which would be me, of 50 Years of Bond, and I started watching them. Actually, that's not true. Let me just... I did. No, no, I actually bought the box sets of James Bond on DVD when they came out. Yeah. And we, we watched them all on our old TV, that big... True. And then we rewatched them when we got the Blu-ray. We started watching them. We're, we're, we're at GoldenEye. That's I the gave it one. to you, though. Yes. I gave you the Blu-ray. But I'm saying you, we also saw true. them all on we the DVD True. We watched them on set. the old TV. Yeah, on the DVD. And now we started again. 
We're up to GoldenEye on the uh, Blu-ray. Uh, see, we need to go because that's one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. That's like your favorite. Yep. And that's it, really. And uh, I think I'd had surgery when we started watching, so we watched a lot of them. Like, we watched Every them day, all within like maybe two a day. five or six days. We just hammered it, and it really shows the quality or the lack of quality and the like the cheekiness of it all you know and, and it then takes we you on a Daniel. journey through it decades of, of different culture yeah. and yeah Pop filmmaking culture. all kinds of stuff yeah so that's mine i'm not i'm not like precious about it i don't give a shit who the next bond is i don't care if it's a woman i don't care if it's a man who likes men i don't care if it's a man of another color race or culture it could be anybody because it's the idea now who better to be a, a spy for British intelligence than someone who looks not at all like a British man, which every other Bond has always looked British. How about a man of color, a woman of color, completely different ethnicity, so that when you see her, there's really no clue that she might be, you know, to your enemies. I don't understand why, other than betting all the women and the toughness, but we've seen in recent years with movies, we can toughen up the I think the next Bond should be a very, very smart Labrador. (laughs) And uh, cause like Benji kind of movie, yeah, Benji like as Bond, <laughs> K9, <laughs> K9, 009. No, it could be um, Turner and Hooch, yeah, something Let's like get that. Get Tom Hanks and Hooch in there, <laughs> Hooch. It's Hooch. <laughs> which one's Turner and which one's Hooch? I don't remember. I can never remember. I think Hooch sounds like a dog, but it could be I'm, the guy. This is a little off topic, yeah, but funny. <laughs> so, it? um, Spectre, uh, is. Interesting, because what's happened here with uh, the James Bond franchise and um, Mr. Daniel Craig's uh, four movies that he's been doing for for them. This is his fourth. I am correct there, Anna. We're saying it. Yeah, it is his fourth. Um, You don't have to ask me. One of the big uh, things for for Bond is they have a bad guy who is established in the old movies... And has not really shown his face since, like, the 70s. Yeah. But he's Maybe early 80s. He was somebody, in several of the other Somebody movies. dropped him down a big pipe. Was, let's he, was telly, say, he was Telly Savalas. We're going to be uh, spoiling. If you don't already know how Bond movies work, we will probably tell you everything about this movie. Right, so back in the day, um, this character, Blofeld, was played by Telly Savalas, also played by... Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Also uh, made fun of by Mike Myers in the Austin Powers movies. So you know who that guy is. You've seen him. The bald guy with the... Uh, the scar and Very the particular <laughs> suit jacket with no collars. And he strokes a cat. Yeah, you know that. So It's hard not to make that funny. But in is. this one, they, they do it did, right. Did they a did a good job. job. Yeah. So in this one, that character is back. And the reason he's back is it's a rights issue that the company that makes Bond, they Which lost... none of this has any impact on the movie. They lost the rights to this... Uh, well, no, it's interesting nonetheless, I think. Um, they lost the rights to this character, and then they've got the rights back to this character. And he's a big deal. Like He's like one of Bond's arch-nemesis kind of guys. He's, a, he's really good, actually, in the old films. It's an interesting buddy. He's the kind of buddy who has a weird lair with a shark and all that kind of stuff. Multiple layers. Yeah, so... I don't mean L-A-Y-E-R-S, because he's very one-dimensional, but he has many layers, L-A-I-R-S. And the 
term Spectre is the organization that he led back in the day, and, and now the Spectre thing is coming back. And what I like about Spectre, while they're the evil side of things, is that in their little meeting that they have, the woman reports to them about how successful their human trafficking or, yeah. uh, has been going, because now, in some... Uh, international organization that was trying to thwart human trafficking they put an end to that through all of the politicians that they own and so now their human trafficking is up by like 60 percent or it's something it's like the funniest boardroom really, meeting <laughs> yeah but she's it's like a thing you know yeah. so it's like that, it's like the proper evil rubbing the your thing hands is, together when he said from terrible things you know comes beautiful things that reminds me of gary no not gary Gary yes. Oldman in The Fifth Element. Correct. When he says... When the, when yep, the little He thing. breaks the glass and, and says, look at all these workers and the people in the factories who make all these robots who clean it up and so like, from destruction It needs comes, that. To exactly. That cause and effect. And that's exactly what I thought of when his idea of the world is. If I cause tragedy and turmoil and they... You heard a little discussion now. They are controlling the distribution of things like AIDS and malaria and how... In his mind, if he's ahead of this whole thing, that is what makes the world a beautiful place. Is that you give everybody tragedy and terror, and then from that comes something very beautiful. So I think that's an interesting bad guy. Maniacal. Now, what I loved about the new, what I love about the new James Bond movies is I really like Daniel Craig as a Bond. I think he's really good. But um, Skyfall in particular... It was the way it looked. Roger Deakins did the photography on Skyfall. And if you remember, it was like a beautiful painting like all the time. Now, he didn't come back for this movie. But I think this movie still looks really awesome. Like, it, it looked... I almost thought, are you sure he didn't come... I knew he, I knew in my mind he hadn't come it back. It didn't have that artsy touch. It didn't have the artsy no. touch. But it did have really nice sh shots right from the beginning. The opening sequence to this movie. I was thinking back of all the Bond movies... That they all, you know, there's a really cool opening sequence. It's part of the Bond experience, right? Before the credits roll, you'll have seen a big action sequence that you can hardly believe it's so big. This action sequence, what did you think of it? I liked it. I think they oversell it when they're trying to tell you how big of a deal it is. Because to them, making it was a big deal. When you're watching it, it's five minutes and then it's done. And then you're you're over it. Like, you don't even it's reflect. It's well done, though. Fine. But it doesn't reflect on the rest of the movie at all. You are, or you chop it off, and it, it could be just its own separate thing. Which, because it's like the Day of the Dead in Mexico City, so it's really gorgeous, loads of costumes, and it's really stimulating to look at. What I wanted was thinking, oh, we're gonna keep that at every location we go to. Maybe we'll keep reflecting this sort of cultural stew going, but it never is really like that. So to me, it was really. Good to look at. Big action. Building falls. He chases somebody. Uh, you know, I don't like chasing. There's a lot of so extras. really boring. But like, the extras so and the costumes. I just kept looking at everybody's makeup, you know, because it's all skull and bones everywhere and all colorful. And But other than that, I just think they think of it as a bigger deal because they were there and it was a huge ordeal. Now, In I the a, movie, I, it's not that big a deal. I have a couple of favorite opening sequences from Bond movies. My favourite of all time is Goldeneye, where the plane goes over and he jumps out and... Well, he he, he has to get to another plane. You, you remember? Huh. And then he goes down the... That's why we need to watch goes it. Goes down the dam on, on a, one of those ascenders, just really slowly. Yeah, totally Bond friend. Now I'm recalling yeah. it. 
Total. That's my friend. favorite opening sequence to a Bond movie. But I also really love the opening sequence to Casino Royale. I think that one is fantastic. The where new one with the free runner, yeah, where mm-hmm. he's chasing the free runner over the building site. It's just really awesome to look at. It's really done that way. It's sort of small scale now when you think about it. It's yeah, just two dudes running, and I cool, don't. Though. I'm not that into chasing and stuff. It has to be pretty dynamic for me to be interested. But I really like this one. I thought it was. Um, it was big, like what I expect from a Bond movie, like a big scene. Obviously, they spent a lot of money making this scene. Like it, it, it almost like they. That's what I mean. It 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 doesn't filter through to the rest of the movie in terms of vibrancy. You get you get to the end of that. You get the opening sequence, and then you're back to the sort of monotones of James Bond's world, which is grays and the desert tans, and then you might get a white... You do get mountains with snow on them. It's all very... It's cool, and it looks amazing, every single big thing, but nothing compares to that. No, there's... Again, though, the other thing I really like about Bond movies is how they're globetrotting, and this one really does globetrot. That's my favorite thing about them, actually. And what this one does is it never stays in the same place too long, by the time you're like, okay, I, 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 all right, we're, we're in a ski resort. It moves on to the desert. Or it wasn't to, a ski resort. Well, it was a health clinic. Yeah, but you, there was people skiing on those slopes. I mean, it, it was probably filmed at a ski resort. So, all right, we've seen that place. And then it moves to a desert. Then there's a really cool sports car chase through a city. It always is moving. and There's always a different thing going on. It's not just, oh, here's a car chase here and here's a car chase there. It's like, no, here's a... Something on foot is a plane going down a mountain. Yep. There's some crazy stuff in this movie, action-wise. So I'd like that, and that reminded me of Skyfall, because that did uh, go all over the place, too. There was what No. There was one of them where it didn't really go all over the place, and that was what I didn't like about it. It just felt a bit... I thought Skyfall mm. didn't. Skyfall went to, like, like that cool building, what was, like, all neon lit. Right, but it wasn't, like, all over the world. Wasn't that China, where they were? I don't know. Um, there was one of them where it didn't globetrot as much like the old movies. Even the old movies globetrotted mm-hmm. a lot. It's one of the things I've always liked. This one does a lot. And I really like the sequence in the sports cars. They've introduced a new Aston Martin in this. And he's being chased by a guy in a... I don't know what that car is. It was amazing. Don't look at me. And um, I'll be yawning at this portion of this. Did you discussion. not like that car chase? I don't care it about car so chases. Like, I couldn't the give film, a shit. The cinematography of that car chase, where where the camera was often just detached from the car above it, and it looked like you were watching a video game. Okay, that's why I also doesn't I really do anything for that, me. Yeah. Does don't care. There was some shots. Unless it's really, ugh, like not about the cars. Like Born, I always give as a good example. The first Born movie has a really good car chase because it's not about the cars. It's shitty cars driving into walls and into other cars and really really it's like as if you would imagine a real car chase would be this is a very choreographed very I mean, constructed it's, it's a commercial for cars, but there's seconds right? and seconds of just driving turning I love that. driving turning driving turning I could watch a whole I could watch a whole movie of driving and turning well there is one for you so go back and watch Fast and the Furious Bullet isn't that one that's car chase well Vanishing Points probably is the one yeah Um, but yeah they he knows how to film cars obviously Aston Martin they they provide the cars for Bond always have not always have no they haven't always had mostly have BMW did for a little bit but 
it's quite obvious to me our car that we made needs this amount of screen time so that's what's going to happen with it and it's lovingly photographed like a car commercial isn't it like that that yep um, because they know people like you get your little penis hard. I mean your medium sized penis is hard for car chases the same as um James Bond's clothes are very there's there's times where he changes outfit and it's quite clear or his watch it's to say that's what you want to buy. I you need even notice. You, you want that hat he's wearing. You want that watch. That watch, that, the gadget mm-hmm. watch. That's a a Mariner, one of those expensive watches that you can buy. See, that's Omega all lost on me. Couldn't care less. All those things are product placement. But you notice them, so yeah, it's working on you. It does work, yeah. And the clothes he wears is very... You'll go in is it G- that a man thing, then? That you all get all excited about... You'll go in GQ placement. that particular month probably, <laughs> and there'll be a picture of Daniel Craig wearing that, and it'll say available. But what now. makes you? What makes men want to look like that? The same as women, I suppose. They just think he's cool, don't they? Look how many women he gets. He's fictional. Yeah, but look at him. They all want to be. He's a dickhead. Him. That's part of James. He's like part. a murdering, like misogynistic <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> See the. Uh, I understand his job and killing within his job I can handle assassinating people and defending himself and defending others. But there are times in every single Bond movie when he just discriminately kills. I mean, the the guy who was flying the helicopter, all he had to say was, look, man, just land us and I'll protect you. That guy, he wasn't necessarily a bad guy. He was just flying the helicopter. He goes to and yet see, he has to beat the crap out of him and kill him. He goes him. to see a hot doctor in this one. You know, because the doctor obviously yeah. has to be super hot so he can probably go to bed with her later. And she's asking him questions. Well, she's vital to the story, though. But I'm saying she's asking him questions about what he does. And when it comes to, the, like, I kill people. Like she said, what yeah. do you do? And he says, I kill it people. doesn't look that good on paper or whatever. Even he knows what he, he knows. He's kind of like, you know, that's what I do. I'm just complete. That's why I don't understand the appeal of being... I'm a mass murderer. As somebody has probably... Uh, how many people bond over all the movies has actually killed... No, it's sure probably a very high number. Uh, it's I don't a high think you can count all of them. No, because sometimes like a bus will fall exactly. off a cliff, or you know, it will knock all the henchmen off the cliff. Well, when you blow up a lair, yeah. you don't know how many all people the, all actually. There could have been women and children yeah. all in there living happily inside the lair, inside the meteor hole. But no, he had to blow it all up. Spoiler alert. So, um, <laughs> as, as if people don't think. These big things are going to happen. So as far as a Bond movie is concerned, I really like this movie. Um, It gives you all what Bond is. Some espionage, some double-crossing, some, you know, he gets some ladies, like I said. He drives his car. He has some gadgets. Not many, to be honest. He just has his watch, right? He's not really really gadget. Car. Car and watch. And the car doesn't And in his blood. Now we have that. Smart blood. I like that, actually. Um, and it's very uh, topical. This the theme of this movie is hoarding data mm-hmm. on everyone on the planet, being able to access information on every person in every country in one cloud, so to speak, having one central place where you can spy on everybody all the time. So that's very topical. You know, it's not like super dynamic or not really that interesting. But when you put it in the hands of somebody like a Blofeld, now, then that makes it more interesting. Now, I will say, oh, overall, I really liked it because I love Bond and it's probably never going to be terrible for me, a Bond movie. I'm always going to enjoy Except. it. Except? In a way. <laughs> you, you love that one? Live and Let Die uh, is the, one of the worst. 
But Best still, there's stuff to take, be taken away. I, I still liked yeah. certain parts of it. Best song, yeah. Um, but this one, Spectre. There are some problems for me. Uh, a couple of problems. One, Dave Batista, the guy who, from Guardians of the Galaxy. They introduce him as this mm-hmm. henchman. He's like a henchman. You know, could have been like a big iconic henchman, like a Jaws. But they kind of waste him, I think. Yep. Like, he's really cool. He's really tough. But they, And they have a fight. He's not interesting at all. But though. it's not interesting. He doesn't really say anything. It's So I feel like he was kind of wasted. I feel like you could have done more with him. It was just a bit flat for me. I was like, oh, really? Is that All it, it? takes is for you to give somebody like a bionic arm or a weird electronic eyeball. Something, right? Something there was nothing about it... this guy. He was just no. a bit tough guy, right? And you have so, no idea why he's so tough or who he is or anything. And the other issue for me is... The way this was promoted and everything was like, oh, Blofeld's back. Here, you know, here's Mr. Um, Christoph Waltz's Blofeld. Well, the way it occurs in the movie, it's almost like there's a big reveal moment in the middle where they go, hey, I am Mr. Blofeld. And, and you're supposed to be going like, oh, I, didn't understand, I didn't know that at this point. It's almost like it was supposed to be a secret, but it wasn't. So you already knew. So that moment, and there's a, there's a torture scene where he's in a chair. Where he comes across and tells him who he is. Because he's going under this other name at the beginning, right? Oban. Obenham? I don't remember. Oberhauser. Yeah. And, and then, you know, he reveals, oh, I'm actually the yeah, bo- But you know who he is. Everybody yeah, I know, knows but who it, he is. it seems like they were trying to do a, oh, and then you're supposed to go. But anyway, there's this. There's this I think they're just wanting to get, tell you how he got to where he is. It felt, it felt very. Um, underwhelming when it was happening like, I was like okay well, well and he's also doing this torture sequence which is if you've seen the other Bond movies Casino Royale this is amazing torture sequence which you feel this torture sequence it's, the chair it's hardcore yeah the chair yeah that's like the worst one ever so there's a torture sequence in this film there's also a, um, one in um, where he gets him in the chair and he's that's what I'm talking about and, no and he's kind of coming onto him in that's the, last, the same one no the one with um, No Country for Old Men guy. Yeah. There's that one too. They're both really fascinating. Now this one, finally, Blofeld gets James Bond in a chair with this high-tech torture chair. And it is really uninteresting. It and is. It, there's no consequence to it. There wasn't. He's tortured and there's nothing. I thought, <laughs> when Bond gets out of this chair and goes outside and he's got to fight out of this place... It is going. He said it's going to affect your balance. It's going to affect all this stuff. Your vision. It affected nothing. He was like Mr. Marksman as soon as he walked outside. I said to you, how the hell did he do that shot? Like, did it make him better? But this whole torture sequence to me, where it should have been like the most intense thing. And creepy and It everything. was in this bright room. It was kind of like Mr. Um, Blofeld was kind of on this office chair. It just felt very like nothing. Like... I was disappointed. I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be the bit where I'm wincing. and where I was terrible. wincing when it happened. Over the torture thing. Yeah. But the consequence was nothing. There was almost... I was like, really? And it's so quick, and it's... It was very... I don't know. It felt underutilized. Yeah. Like, 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 I could have come up with something more intimidating. Like, it just wasn't Plus, intimidating. Plus, they, before they put him in that chair, taking his watch off? <laughs> that, you have to look... As he walked out the door... What came in my mind, and it always does, I was like, when Blofeld's dealt with Bond in, the, in before, he knows him. He's 
basically orchestrated his whole life. Yeah, exactly. So he knows everything. He knows he has gadgets. He knows he's a spy. So why do you ever leave him with his gun or his phone or his watch? You leave him with nothing, right? You, you leave him everything. naked. Yep. In fact, you stab him in just the like eyes the just chair. in case he's wearing contact lenses or something. <laughs> but this torture scene, it did nothing for me. I was like, oh, we get into this point of the movie is going to be amazing, right? Finally, Blofeld has like got Like he's going to plant a chip in him that's going to waken him, waken up later or do something, something. later, something really nothing. super high tech. There's nothing. There's nothing that we know of. But even in the old movies, Blofeld always was um, anticlimactic a little incompetent always dropping him down the thing was just a piss take really wasn't it it was like we're throwing that away we don't need it what happened back in the old days is they loved him and they had him and then they open one of the Bond movies with a helicopter picking Blofeld up in a wheelchair the not Bond movie no it's in the actual Bond movie because the other guys got the rights to it Sean Connery. And, and what they were saying when was... When Sean Connery made his movie, Never Say Never Again, right. that's not a Bond movie, no. but it's Bond, and yeah. he bought all the rights to do it. And how do you separate the the right to Blofeld? I don't understand that, but once he owned it, then the next movie they couldn't use it again, so they just so they, literally dropped him so in So what's very funny <laughs> is they had a Blofeld lookalike, not even the real guy, not Tully Savalas, not Donald Pleasance. And you barely see him. You see a, a side shot of his head. You, you kind of go, oh, there's Blofeld in his wheelchair. You see the, him stroking a cat. They lift him up and drop him in a chimney. And that was an FU. It was like, we don't need Blofeld. We're James Bond. Was that better. what it was? Yeah, I, I, that's what it said on the documentary. <laughs> but, so now they've got Blofeld back. And I feel the, how they deal with him at the end is really... It's really... Boring. It's boring. He's not very... He's not very smart, it doesn't seem. He's not very... He's like, he did his thing, and now he's just flying away, thinking he's just going to get away with it. And then, when he does his thing, it's just pathetic, kind of. Exactly, it's, but it, I think yeah. that's how he always has been. Yeah. And the, and he's he but makes really this the... elaborate lair thing that's like a puzzle for James Bond. It's like all very... That was kind of boring. Old schoolish. Even uh, though I like all of the movie... As a whole, I really enjoyed it. I give it like high, super high marks. I enjoyed the whole of it. Yeah, because it's quality. I like the the adventure of it all. Um, I just feel the un- underutilized. What... I want it to be more gritty. Yeah, because the other movies, Casino Royale yeah. especially, and Skyfall, were very gritty, and it was Bond like more born Bond. What's the other one? Um, Quantum of Solace. Okay. So they were more visceral, really hardcore fighting, and like it was just more. It was not like old Bond. It was like this new thing, whereas they reverted in this one a little bit to like, oh, we want to pay honor to Soften the old up Bond it again. Yeah, it's like we 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 love the old Bond, so like let's kind of do that again. So it's less hardcore. Like the last one was pretty hardcore. Like I thought, like action wise and stuff. And you know, introducing that no country for old men baddie guy it was like just intense. Like it was all. Whereas Blofeld's not intense to me. He's if he would have picked that cat up and started stroking it, which he they allude it to it in that torture scene. He, he kind of strokes the cat no, as, picks it, it up. as it's going down, though. No, he picked it up. But he doesn't hold it. No. It's, it's not like a comedy like him holding it. But it, I mean. But they're making him be. He's a character who obviously has some cunning because he's the head of this organization that's pure evil. He's been monitoring and intervening in James's life, his whole life, in a bad way. So he has two things, right? He's got the 
he would let a room full of people sit while someone gets murdered right in front of them, as they did, and be like, whatever. So that's creepy. And he's super smart in terms of, like, playing the chess game of all the world, right? But then, when you boil it down, he's probably just this... He was insecure, because James... Because the Blofeld guy's father took James under his wing when he was a kid. More spoilers. And this guy was jealous of him. Right. That's it. Insecure. And every single bad guy, when we boil them down to their core, bad guy and bad girl, they've all got this insecurity, like, you know, I'll show you (laughs) kind of thing. And that's what seems to leak out of him. He doesn't just go full grit, gross, terrible like the other guys. He's always just a bit too... Cartoony a and little polite bit. And polite and, like, not menacing. Well, I like the way Christoph Waltz does him. I really do. It's because I'm a little bit like... for me. I think it's menacing because you know what's going on in his mind. He thinks he's got the upper hand on everything. Yeah, And that does. it's going to be terrible what he does to everybody. And he's so very that's elaborate. Creepy. He's like, hey, walk into this room with this thing in it. And, like, I'm, I'm like, theatrical. You're going, to, you're going to do what I say. Yeah, that meteorite thing... It was nothing. What? Yeah. Literally nothing. It was just like, it is a cool room. But he thinks it's something. Yeah. So that tells you about the person, you know, or the character that we're supposed to be. Well, you know, like, like the old Blofeld back in the movies, like there's this, there's this one particular scene where he brings all these world leaders into this room. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like... Kills everybody. Yeah, and he's <laughs> with this gas. And just, he's just like this weird killer guy who's got this strange attitude about him. It's, it, it was kind of more menacing, but even, like, back then, it was comical almost. But it still was like, you was like, wow, he just, like, off. But then you get people. to the building near the end, and he scribbled James Bond on the wall. And yeah. Brett, I mean, he probably didn't do it himself, but... There's a lot of stuff in this movie where I was like, oh, really? That seems, like, under you... You've... The menacing part is gone for me. Like, it, he's just a silly kind of uh, old-school Bond thing that is kind of a I bit... I didn't go- dismiss him that much. I felt but... like it... Well, not not dismissing him, like I thought he did all right, but I'm talking about like it seems a bit goofy in parts. Like like old Bond was very goofy in a lot, mm-hmm. and they, these Bonds are not goofy. They they go serious, whereas this villain was a little bit goofy for me. I know he's supposed to be a bit eccentric or whatever, but it, it let me down a little bit because the baddies have been so good in the last three movies, and I did like how they worked all that into this. Mm-hmm. It does make it all feel like a package, these four movies. If you watch them in a row, you would have a nice, satisfying conclusion. But I do like how it how Daniel Craig's Bond has this thread through through the movies because of this movie. He didn't before this movie, but now he does. And it all feels especially with the ending sequence of I just agree with you. I don't even think that's an issue to me. I just watch the movies. No, I, I, what I mean is I think right, but why I find that clever thread? what they did in this movie. To make all the other movies, it's not clever. All they did was say he says like one line or two lines that says and the pictures on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, because there's no indication through any of the other movies that any of it's tied to him. But all he has to say is, "Oh yes, they all worked for me." Yeah, but I liked it. That's it. it. But that's not clever. All right, so whatever it is, lazy. I really liked how (laughs) that. I think that I like it as a big. um, But then you're like, oh, so they're not that menacing because they worked for you. Well, they're more menacing, which is interesting. I disagree. Than the boss. Their boss is... I'd rather... I would rather go up against the boss than the other guys. Le Chief, I wouldn't want to go up against him. Wouldn't want to go up against crazy yeah, old Yeah, but it diminishes from... their power by saying they all work for him. To me. Anyway, I was like, Ugh, I don't want them all to be his little henchmen. And the very end sequence of this movie, which I won't spoil, but it 
I know it says I just read that Daniel Craig has another Bond movie uh, in his contract, but I feel like that wraps Bond up for this version of Bond. See, I didn't think of it that way, but you must have been thinking about that the whole time, but I wasn't thinking about it. No, I wasn't thinking about that the whole time at all. I didn't even know. I didn't know. I had to check when when it was over, like, oh, is is Craig the next Bond, or is it it the one? You told me that. No, I told you that he was finished with doing Bond. Yeah. After his contract is up, but I, I wasn't sure whether there was you one more. You actually said this was his last one. No, I thought there was one more. Up. So I went and checked, and it said there was one more. So, but I like how this ends, this version of Bond is all I'm saying. It's a nice ending. It it echoes back to the old See, it doesn't Bond. register with me like that at all. You, I think you knowing or thinking about that adds a layer to it. To me, it's nothing. It's just the end I mean, of the if movie. you've seen all the Bonds, it echoes back to the uh-huh. old Bonds, right? Yeah, but it doesn't wrap up anything to me. It's just the end of this movie. And yeah. he's, he's going off like he does with every other... With a woman at the end of a movie. That's it. <laughs> like, there's no, I don't layer anything on top of it. It's just, that's yeah. it, you know? But yeah, obviously they could do another one. Spectre Part 2 almost, even. You know? It could... Nah, just keep going and I don't Spectre's mean call it Spectre Part 2 physically. I mean... Well, I mean Spectre will always be in could, the background now. This could be... The next one could be... What happens next? Like, this wasn't that long after. Yeah, but the way it's been described now, he's been in charge the whole time. So Spectre's always been behind everything. So, so always Spectre have Spectre will always... every time now? No. You just know it's always at the heart of it all. So You'll whatever there is, always think. Whatever this guy's motivation is, Spectre's pulling his Why strings. not? Because that's yeah. what I'm saying about the laziness of saying every bad guy you've encountered... That was me. All right. <laughs> so, like... You could also... You can't escape that now. You could also restart... You could... Ugh. They've done it before, right? I know, it's boring to re- just keep going. Just make no, movies. No, I mean, each... No, each... I actually want to see a, this How Bond about each person pick. who plays Bond, when they bring a new actor in, has a whole new slate, like a new... We'll keep the Bond things, but... And just start over every a new single story, time. Like, yeah. So we have a new Spectre every time, and a new bad guy every no, time. No, no, this one would a be Spectre. A new Spe- Penny every this time. This one would be Spectre, and then the next one would be Right, but then we have to start over with a new Q, and a new M, and a new Money Penny, and it's just... That would be boring, I think. Just keep going. As if we all are supposed to pretend that James Bond's always been the same guy anyway. This one kind of restarts him, because we're... Hinting at the fact that it's the beginning of his career. But the thing about James Bond 007 is... It's like Doctor Who. They're just... Each 007 hands the baton to the next guy. So, I think you just keep doing that. Don't start over every time, no. Just keep going. And I say start over every time. Because it makes it more interesting. Because if you change everything, all the new... You don't... Uh, There's not like, Bond. Those people have had their chance. So I want all new actors for the for the no. It is still Bond. They're all the same characters. You just right, get so you're all starting new over every time. Why yeah, is every time, every ten years or so. Why start is that interesting? To retell the same exact story. No, 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 Not tell the same story. Have a. Total... But you are because you have to start him over. You have to tell no, us the no, origin no. It, story. It could, it could no, you don't. It could be in the middle of his career. It could be anything. It could be right at the end of his. But they're career not going to do that as he's about to retire with an older Bond. Right, so you do one movie with one guy where everybody's no, brand no, no, new, no, and then no. you, the next one's all over again. You do five movies with an old Bond that all take Isn't place. Isn't that what we're doing now? <laughs> He's pretty old for Bond. Yeah, but it, this did start like a origin story for Bond, kind of, and then moved on. Right, and they've started. What they've done is started over retelling 
the origin of Spectre or the idea of Spectre and we meet Money Penny for the first time and we see M for the first time and we see all the cues again and I just think why keep doing that over and over and over why not just tell new stories about people who want to take over the world <laughs> which also is kind of boring which but... is what they do like all the old movies it was different it was not it wasn't always Spectre was it either like it, in fact it was very rarely Spectre because of the thing but there's yeah, always a different a guy who had a different background. Most of them had the same, almost the same motivations, though. They wanted to be really rich. They wanted to control the world. Chaos. They wanted to control data or space or something, right? Um, they haven't been to space for a while. Moonraker. Bond could go to space. It has done before, right? So, uh, but yeah, these are a bit more grounded. They're not quite as crazy. The reason Moonraker. Yeah, but going to the space uh, international space station is exactly like. Fiction. But the reason Moonraker existed, and the only reason, as we watched the documentary, was Star Wars was popular. Mm-hmm. They were making a new Bond, and they were like, everybody wants space stuff. We're doing space stuff. That It was like a answer to the times kind of thing, wasn't it? It was not, you know, that they were being creative and they wanted to do space. It was, no, audiences want space. I think that's kind of obvious, yeah. I don't think but James Bond is creative anyway. I think they always want to go with what's popular, because if you don't, Who's going to come see it? And, and uh, finally, before we go on to the cast here, do you hate the opening song in this movie? Yes. The one of hate. the... And it won an Oscar. I don't care. Which is crazy. I right? hate that high You don't pitch. like falsetto. No. It, like, I literally pull my shoulders up toward my ear and I wanted to cover my ears. Now, I like the song. Yeah, it's a nice song. Put a woman in there singing that song and I think I could... And drop it down a few... Should we just have Adele do the song every time now? It doesn't have to be Adele. I just mean somebody whose voice makes sense to me, not this like... Well, I just... Ugh. And Bond um, always uses the artist of the time, and it just so happened Sam Smith was the biggest thing. I never thing. heard of him. Well, he's, he's a Still British artist. Still don't know who he is, except for the fact that he's won Oscar. Yeah, I've won never, an Oscar. I've uh, never heard huge. any other song by him. You have. When you, when, you wear it. When, you, when you wear a couple of his songs, you'll be like, oh, he did that one. He does one that's on the chill a lot. Um, that you've heard many times. In fact, we've got it in our folder. Use that I like? Song. You do like it, yeah. You must not be singing very much. No, he sings quite a bit. <laughs> but what what I mean is he's he's just a popular artist and, and Bond are, are known to like... what? Who's the popular artist? It was Adele for Skyfall. Yeah, but Adele's so much bigger than him. Jesus. No, he's big, Sam Smith. Like, big. It's just that you haven't... Yeah, then I'm just I mean, the he's only a, one. He's like a number one artist all the time in, you know, in, even in the American charts. So... This time they chose him and he won an Oscar. I, I don't know if I agree with that Oscar. I don't agree. I, I do think it's a very nice song. I, I like the lyrics. I like that opening sequence. I always love the opening sequences. I could just sit and watch the opening sequences. Uh, it was all right. It the was octopus was... I love the octopus with the ink coming out, you know. Hmm. I just thought it looked really cool. Um, all Bond... I was not overwhelmed by the beginning. On the Bond box set. Bond 50 Blu-ray, there's um, a feature where you can just watch all the opening sequences in a row, all 25, 20... 23 at that point. Oh, 22, I think. Well, it has Skyfall in it, so 23. And you had to add Skyfall. No, well, it came with it, Skyfall. Mm. So you can have 23 of them in a row with the songs, and it takes you on this journey through musical... You know, through the 70s, through the, it's perfect. It's Duran Duran, it's well, It's perfect, but it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> like this, it is perfect as this time capsule of popular hit songs that ev- you'll know that every one of them, you'll know them. 
There, there isn't a song at the beginning of a Bond film that is obscure. I'm not sure. There's a couple I don't think I know. No. As well, I know them all yeah. from being British because they definitely all Bond movies hit number one in the British charts every time. Even this one. But yeah, I don't really agree with. No. I thought Sky Adele Skyfall should have won an Oscar if this did, because I like that song way better. You know. So uh, moving on to the cast, Daniel Craig is James Bond. I've said what I said. I like him as James Bond. I think he's really good. He's suave. He's sophisticated. He can beat people up. He can. I don't like the way he kisses. He does an odd kissing, doesn't he? I, I did notice that when he's kissing Monica. <laughs> you were Belushi, noticing that. I was like, "What the hell are you doing? That's weird." He's like, "I mean, I'm not criticizing the man. I'm sure it's fine kissing if you're on the receiving end, but there's just a certain non." It's very active. I find him not that appealing, like sexy wise or manliness wise. I think he's. Functional, and I like him. I like the way he delivers a lot of his little one-line, you know, things. He's real suave. But he's very stiff all yeah, the time. Yeah, he is pretty stiff, yeah. He keeps his shoulders right up there all the time, and I think I'd like to see him a little more. I'd like to see him in the same position that Die Another Day Bond was in, where he is literally down and out, no, no resources whatsoever, with nothing. I don't think we've seen him that way yet. That was another thing in this movie at the beginning where he, where it was like, I was like, oh, okay, he's off the grid again. He can't work with it. Like, that seems to be becoming a very... Barely. They didn't even really follow up with that. No, they didn't, but, no. but they kind of explained it that way, and I was like, oh, really, that again? Like, he's not having full support of his agency? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> he's going off on his own, doing his own thing. Can't we just, like, have one movie where he's got full support of you guys? Because... That's yeah. really fun when he has every gadget that he can use. He usually does. He's and he has a jetpack and shit. He He's not it. dejected every time. Um, it's Christoph Waltz plays Blofeld. Um, I like Hans him. I Uber. just want him to be... It's Blofeld with a D. And I just want him to be more... Like he needed to do more horrible things right off the bat himself, not just have his henchmen do it. Didn't like him really personally. So oh I I liked his you know how he like I mean I really like him. Make like a face and smile and then twist his head. Like you know he's filling in this psychotic person's mind. That's what I like about Christoph Waltz. I mean I like Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards. It shows you that he can be this really menacing, Mm -hmm. horrible guy. But in this I and I know what he can do. But the script only allowed him to do what they wanted him to do, and what they yeah what they wanted him to do, I didn't really like. And then, like in the when you meet him, he's all in shadow in the meeting, and yeah, no one's it's supposed real to see him. Then the next thing you see, he's in the broad daylight, just out in the open. There's a lot of inconsistencies with how they were trying to go over. And his thugs are really boring. They're all just dressed like what looks like a like any other spy, not spy, sorry, government, uh, like a Navy SEAL type person they all yeah. had black outfits turtleneck not like the crazy outfits old bond yeah exactly there was like a uniform and they were all kind of like either a white shirt and red pants or, or weird, orange hat or something or some weird orange overalls blue, or something, yeah, yeah blue overall thing i mean this was very of the times which is kind of boring uh leah sadu sadu plays madeline um she is french that lady actually Mm-hmm. Uh, really liked her. Mm-hmm. I, I always, they always do. I like the Bond girls that they choose, and especially in this one because Monica Bellucci. How about if is, we start calling them Bond women? How would that be? Well, as AscoliaDotcom makes a stand, I know that they do. I'm not them, so I'm going to call them Bond women. Yeah, go for so it. So she's a French um, actress. Uh, I've definitely seen her before. She, uh, she uh, face is recognizable. Um, I like her. 
She's one of those, like in Quantum of Solace, she's a bit strong. Yeah. She's not like a, save me, James. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I like a bit, you know. Um, Monica Belushi, which I thought was a funny one, because she's like this woman who's like, husband's just died, and then Bond is boning her within... Minutes <laughs> of the funeral. <laughs> and uh, Monica Belushi's older than him. Does He doesn't normally go for the older women, does he? He has, yeah. Lots of times. I always thought they were always young... Yeah, anyway, Monica Belushi's in this. She doesn't really age. She's very... uh, I always think she's very regal-looking or something. She is, yeah. Sophisticated. uh, Ralph Fiennes plays M again. Um, Did you like him? Mm Mm-hmm. He got a little action this time. I don't mean female action. I mean action as in... Yeah. Had to go do something. Instead of just... As did Q. uh, Q. We need everybody to be ditched and thrown out onto their ear together. So they're all a team, like... Yep. Like they... Yeah. (laughs) So Ben Wishaw plays Q again. I really like him. At first, I wasn't too sure. Last time when they introduced him, I was like, oh, I don't know. He's a bit too young. It might be a bit, like, trendy. He might be a bit cool or something. But I think he fell into it better this time. He's one of my favorite things, actually, about it. And Naomi Harris, again. I like him, introduced last time as Moneypenny. But limiting her, after we've seen her. Yeah, she's in in action in the field last time, and now she's behind a desk. Yeah. Which is back, back like to the old looking school. looking up shit for him on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's literally back to the old school. Yeah. She sat behind a desk, which I didn't like because I really liked her with a gun, like running around in the field. The young lady was in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Right. You mean um, Leah Sadu? Yes, as Sabine Moreau. Yeah, she was. She was the cool sniper lady. She was. Yeah. I knew I'd seen her face before. Yeah, okay. she was awesome, actually. I really liked her in that. Isn't that funny? Those, are the, those movies came out around the same time. <laughs> you just said, yeah. Um, Andrew Scott plays C, and you'll know him from, he plays Moriarty in the TV show Sherlock. He reminds me too much of the guy from Monsters. <laughs> Scoot McNary. I don't know why, he no. just reminds me of him. <laughs> he, was, he was good, I thought, in, in the role, playing like you're supposed to not but like. he was being, again? He was being the guy Moriarty, though. Wasn't it really underutilized and really a crappy... Oh, I thought as soon as that happened, you are going to be like, ugh. <laughs> Like, and that building underutilized, because yeah, I get destroying the old school, and now we have. I mean, the new that was school, really cool. I thought, but that was like so lame. <laughs> who thinks of who thinks that's a good? Is it like, oh man, we've had meetings for ten hours now, and we we're over budget. How are we gonna get rid of this guy? And somebody raises their hand, and they just go like this. Yeah, and everybody goes. Uh, what you're okay. doing is uh, yeah. mimicking fall falling. off something. Yeah. Everybody goes, they put their heads down like they're ashamed. They're like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. We'll do it. Because <laughs> what a lousy way to go in a movie. You know, when he fell off uh, and he fell into the foyer of the building and it had the letters on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, whatever the letters were, I thought it would have been better because they kept calling him C throughout the movie and it was obviously alluded that C meant something mm-hmm. horrible like cocksucker or cunt. Or... Oh, God. Do you realize Americans don't say that much? But but they called him C for a reason. There's going to be people right now going, oh my they god. They called him C because he was a, a dickhead or whatever. Well, no, he called him C because somebody else must have been a C. There was also that. Okay. But there was also an allusion to, like, this guy's a dick. So I, call him what D. I would have really loved is when he fell off. It spelled the word. How he landed. The shape of his body and the three letters would have spelled a rude word. I thought that would have been awesome. And I was looking going, have they done that? Is there a secret? Have they secretly done it? No, they haven't done it. So <laughs> that was a bit missed opportunity for me. Um, who else? Dave Batista, the uh, wrestler guy, plays Hinks. 
I didn't even know he was called Hinks until mm. I read that he was called Hinks on the cast list. He could have been so much more interesting. Because he's that underutilized. he's so good in, inter- in like Galaxy. Jaws, you know he's Jaws, right? You know he's called Jaws, and you know you know him, like, and you're like, oh. And there's something about him that yeah. makes him interesting. This guy, they could have been, but they didn't do they didn't it. didn't do anything to him to make him interesting. And then he fell off something. Uh, not really. He got knocked out of something. Yeah, but still, it's it's... It's, oh, really? Is that it? <laughs> is that it? Is he not going... Like, Jaws, if if that would have happened to Jaws, seven scenes later, he would have survived that. True. He would have been crawling and back maybe at, he was. We right, don't know. Maybe he did, yeah. yeah. So, who knows? But, um... Uh, just to interrupt you, she was also in Inglorious Bastards. I just noticed it on her list. Yeah, she was. A woman in red. She was that lady. Well, there you go. Yeah, the, uh, in, the <laughs> theater, in the theater at the end. Right. When they oh. actually finally hit. Right. Uh, yeah, she was. Yes, well, I knew I'd seen her face before. <laughs> um, and uh, f- finally, this is directed by Sam Mendes, who actually directed the last one, Skyfall. He directed Revolutionary Road, American Beauty, Away We Go, and Jarhead. All awesome movies. Um, he's awesome because he's married too. Yeah, Kate Winslet. He's Kate Winslet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like him. I like his stuff. I think he's a good Bond director, actually. I think, like in the past... The direct, you know, they've had several directors who stuck around for Bond. I think Mendez is a good one to keep around for Bond. I don't think always, though. I think maybe he should give it a rest. Somebody else does it for a few, and then he comes back, like you know, because I don't, I wouldn't want Sam Mendes to get stuck as the Bond guy and never do anything like Revolutionary Road. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because if he gets stuck doing Bond for the next ten years, because he's cool and he's really good at it then we'll never get another Sam Mendes movie that's not Bond. I don't know about that. That's what I'm saying. I'd, I'd rather, like, some other directors step in and do Bond. Tarantino's expressed an interest to do a Bond. They'll never let him do one. Well, he, he just wants to direct it, he said. I know. He directed a TV show. What's the TV show with George Clooney? <laughs> ER. He directed an episode of ER, Quentin Tarantino, and he stuck to the ER guidelines. He was like, no, it's not a Tarantino. I just want to direct ER, I love it. And apparently, if you go and watch that episode, you wouldn't be able to know it was his, apart from his name on it. That's what he wants to do with Bond. He just wants them to make a Bond and him direct it. Not What's the point? Because he just he wants to be involved in a Bond project. Right. As a director. Not with his own... He's not going to make them swear and stuff. <laughs> and say the N-word all the time. <laughs> he's going to... They did enough of that back in the day with the racism in Bond. Not the N-word, but it was pretty racist. Yeah. So, um... Extras on this Blu-ray, Spectre. Again, I think they're holding back on the extras on this Blu-ray, and there'll be a better version of this down the pipe, which is probably which has happened in the past. Because there's an extra on this Blu-ray. It lasts for 30 minutes. It's called Bond's Biggest Opening Sequence. What did you think of it? It was all right. I mean, it explains how it got made, which kind of shows you that there the were opening sequence. over 1,000 people involved in all the makeup and everything. But then I think... You know, these big productions, they overthink and overdo everything. A thousand people on the screen at once. Having individual photographs of every single extra, multiple photographs, and multiple tests of the coloring and the lighting and the shape of their hair. Now, while I appreciate craftsmanship and the details, it's really overdoing it. And that would blow your budget up, like, massively. What you need to do is, on the day, you have the people show up and you just... Put them through a line. You do their make. You don't have to have them all 
perfect individually. Wouldn't have looked like it did, though. I disagree, because you did the exact same thing. You just didn't fuss about it so much ahead of time. You would have had your art team and your wardrobe team fixing all of the wardrobe up, and then everybody shows up and gets a... I mean, let's be honest, it was mostly really cool wedding dresses, suits with skulls on them, other things with skulls and bones on them, makeup that was all, like, face painting with the skull and bones and lots of interesting face painting, but you could see that they ended up doing it. But before that, they had all 1,500 people come individually and do their hair and do their makeup and take photographs and fit their costumes. Their costumes didn't need fit. It doesn't matter when you see them literally for a second or two, each individual person. So while I appreciate, like I said, the if it was the actual like, hey, we are going to do the festival. So we're going to do everybody's makeup and outfits so that you can spend the entire day of Day of the Dead in our costume and in our makeup and enjoy the day like a big festival. That would be interesting to me because I was thinking maybe they did that. Maybe they did it on Day of the Dead. So that they, this big, huge festival of they people. Did it, they did it on February the 8th. Exactly. That, that's when they did it. <laughs> which was nowhere near it. But so while I, I, it was eye-opening to see how much goes into it when it was just a little bit overplanned, and really. I, and now that's the... But um, it looks good. Yeah, and that's the making of featurette, and it only covers the opening sequence. Yeah. Which was disappointing to me, because I, I always like to see the behind-the-scenes about the Aston Martin car, because they usually explain. I had to go online to find out about that. It's a DB10 that they use in the movie. It doesn't exist. You can't go and buy one. It does exist. They made ten of them only for the movie. It's not like a car you can go and buy. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I would have liked to seen. I'd have liked to seen the making of Blofeld's den, basically. The big place that, you know... That, that another one. What a waste. There's just nothing... It doesn't even make sense anymore to show us two individual rooms. Two to scenes. a big, huge lair. And then destroy it all. Completely. Like, it doesn't make... It's not satisfying anymore. It is... I need to have spent the entire movie either trapped in it. You know, like, think of... Also... Think of Hostel, right? Once the people get kidnapped and then taken to this lair of horrible stuff, what you want to see at the end of them being trapped in there and tortured and drilled and all that shit is for that place to come down horribly. I'm not going to ruin the movie, but that's the kind of... But in this, you're there. How did it Tim blow up? What do you mean? He shot once at like a... Mm-hmm. A, and then it just chain and reaction. And the whole thing, chain reaction blew out. Well, there's another movie where the whole giant place had a very, very weak spot that seemed to trigger an entire implosion. Oh, maybe there was two yeah, or but, three called Star Wars. Well, guess what? They um, got the plans and understood that that was about to happen. <laughs> James just fired a random shot and blew the whole thing And up. it was outside. It, it didn't make sense. I was like, did he rig it with explosives? Well, you know when he said you can go and rest? In your chambers. Yeah, but they would have showed us them doing that. That's what I'm saying. I'm, 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 it blew. It started to blow up really. Spectac- Plus, it was very random. It was so spectacular the way it blew up. I was like, oh, hold on a second. Did Plus, they- I remember inside he just did him and his girl team up and lay dynamite. You're not supposed to guess. But I was like, did that one lucky shot? Yeah. At the little, it showed you like a little gauge thing. Also, went- don't forget he had just blown up that room, and so it was kind of on fire when we yeah, leave but- it. It seemed very controlled, Plus, like as, this big explosion. As well uh, built and as elaborate as it was, you would think they would have planned for it some was, kind of... I was like, wow, that was a lucky shot, because look at that. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there was... Um, Anticlimactic, that one. Yeah, so I would have liked to see more extras or a commentary. In fact, I, I'd say leave some of these giant lairs. 
make it clear that you've killed the bad guy or run him out of town and everybody's abandoned it. And then let's go back to it ten movies later and see it all overgrown and kind of like, you know, I want to go some of those old ones where like the big dish, but I think that got blown up too. Yeah, it did. The satellite. <laughs> they Gold all get Earth. blown up. It was a big dish. The one, Dr. No, because that's a great one, right? In a volcano? Wasn't that Dr. No? That was, no, that was uh, where he went to ninja training camp. Which and they went on top that? of that mountain. That's Dr. No. Yeah, it probably was, yeah. Where he trained to be a ninja and he actually disguised himself. Well, Dr. With, No's the first one. He disguised himself as a Chinese ninja person by using sellotape Japanese, on his I think. by sellotaping his eyes it was terrible it was terrible that was his disguise sellotape oh, on the corner terrible. of his eyes and his hair was like all black and glued <laughs> oh, down to his so head bad. so bad was that the one yeah Dr. No lies with the volcano with the lair inside it yeah and they climb up to the top and then he goes down on a little wire goes inside yep it's pretty good that one but it is super racist don't <laughs> I mean, it's racist. So it's, so it's, uh, you know. Yeah. So, um, um, the Beatles one. So, yeah, I would really like more extras, but I think you'll get that further down the line in a special edition type extra. And we still got that one guy who's been with the Bond thing, I think, from the very beginning. Yeah. Hasn't he? Yeah, yes. He he's one of Broccoli's, um, he was a director of some Henchman. Of them. He was a director of some of the old films. Yeah. Him. Um, so thanks to uh, Fox for the Blu-ray uh, contest. Go on enter one, aceglue.com. Next week's Blu-ray review is The Witch, which looks really creepy. So I'm really actually interested in that one. It looks... It's Vin Diesel, isn't it? No, that's the oh. last witch under... This one's, oh, good. This one's a movie that was from the Cannes Film Festival. Okay. Looked quite spooky. Which needs to be the next zombie. The Witches witch. need to be the next zombie because I think yeah this idea, is not that Vin Diesel movie the it's idea more... of magic uncontrollable natural mother nature magic shit is way more interesting than I mean I love zombie stuff don't get me wrong but imagine if there was a culture of actual people who could control nature to the point of making this microphone collapse into the atoms that it is and turn it into a frog or something if there were people who could do that this is like a, a cool like pagan kind of witch story like, yeah like a old oldie that's what witches are but I mean it's not modern day or anything it's this oldie same thing no I'm saying this is a cool <laughs> movie it looks really cool because it's like old I don't know when like like the village I am not Shyamalan like that but not but not <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> So, uh, movie recommendations. I am going with, on a Bond theme, my two favourite Bond films, I think. I'm shocked. Number one is Goldeneye, and number two for the new generation stuff is Skyfall. And Skyfall's a lot to do with Roger Deakins' cinematography. I think it, it's just gorgeous to look at that movie. Like, it's clear that they had a great cinematographer doing it. It's just... It's just I can see them in my mind, the... You can artsy, see him on artsy. that boat. Yeah, it's, it's, it has a different feel to this movie, doesn't it? It just has a different feel because of that. So they're mine. Goldeneye, which is all, totally fun. You get to see 006, which I thought was awesome. Like another 00 agent. It was Sean Bean, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, spoilers. <laughs> wasn't that the one on the dam, like you said? Yeah. But when I started watching that, I remember now very clearly thinking, whoa, have they gotten a new Bond? Because that does not even look like Pierce Brosnan or any shape of him whatsoever. Yeah, but it's, it's supposed to be him. That, yeah. We call it Bond friend. When you can tell that it's not the actor, but his stunt double. There's or a doubles. lot of that in those older oh, ones. Still is. This one had some of those. I was like, whoa, no, no, no. Couldn't you have done a... I mean, Daniel Craig has got a very specific 
shape of his yeah, upper torso. Yeah, and there was torso. one guy who was a bit more muscly than his him. His neck, yeah, his yeah. neck is really short. I noticed really. that. And all of a sudden, you've got like a guy who looks. There's like one guy like, from behind when he's in the helicopter at the beginning. Yes. And I'm like, wow. Daniel Craig's found some muscles, like, because his suit's bulging, like, all of a sudden. I don't think that's on purpose. Yeah. And mine are in line with my 2016 thing of trying to tell you all the movies I've ever seen, at least that I'm keeping track of, that I can remember. I'm still in the A's, like, way up in the A's, and I'm going to do, this one is Alan Quartermain in The Lost City of Gold. I don't don't remember it very much. It was supposed, I think it was supposed to be like Indiana Jones of the time. So, it was one of those old... Alan Quartermain, I think, was either comics or books. Books. They were yeah. old books. Uh, and it had the guy who was in Thornbirds. Quinn. Quinn. Isn't it somebody Quinn? I don't remember his name, actually. But um, And then, almost famous, Along Came a Spider, which is not very good. That's Along Came Morgan Polly, Freeman, which right? I think I fell asleep halfway in the middle of Along Came Polly, because I don't remember it, but I know I watched it. Alpha Dog, which is really good. And you can say what you want about um, Justin Timberlake in any other form of art. That was really good. Alpha Dog's a really early appearance of Emile Hirsch, who I really like Emile Hirsch. He did Into the yeah, Wild. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, yeah. um, and that was one of the first things and I saw. And this is one of those kind of independent type, uh, it's kind of creepy and violent. Alpha Dog tells you what it is about a bunch of dudes who try to be Alpha Dog. Um, Emily. Which, of course, is really sweet. French. Um, I'd have to go back. I bet it's probably pretentious at this point a little bit. It was pretentious bit. then, though. Think about it. But it's really sweet. Yeah, it is. So it's fine. Yeah. And uh, Amazon Women on the Moon, which is not great. Though not. It's a bunch of clips Sounds of like old movies. Sounds like something Spangooly would show. Yeah. Yeah. Just some old... Um, we, we did watch The Car. We, True. <laughs> we watched a movie this week called The Car. Mm-hmm. With James Brolin. Can't really recommend it. No, but it's funny. If you want to see, Not without being funny, if you want to see a car jump through somebody's house while they're stood in the house and <laughs> but kill not them. really because the special the stunts are not that great. If you want to see that like a a car that just literally this movie has no explanation for why this car has risen from the desert and it's evil. Yeah. Except you know it's evil because it won't go to cemetery. A, there's no man in it. It's just a car, an evil car. But it's very of the seventies. Very, yeah. very. It's really bad. But good, because when you're watching it, you can kind of make fun of it. It's kind of, it's one of those, isn't it? One of those type of movies. Which is pretty much what Stangu. I'm not recommending the car. Are you recommending the car? Just for people to watch as I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying, it's a movie I saw this week. (laughs) I'm recommending it. (laughs) When I was marking it off on IMDb, because I click all the movies that I've seen, put them on my watch list. Me too, that's what I'm doing. Do I really want to put the car on my watch list? Yes, you do. Yeah, Yeah, you got to keep track of them, man. And Godzilla versus King Kong we watched the other week. Um... I love those because they're just shit, really. House of Horror. Zoo. Murder at the Zoo. I've seen all that. I don't recommend Murder at the Zoo to anybody either. Murders at the Zoo. Oh, come on. It was really fun. It's weird. It's not fun at the end. It is cruel. Well, it's uh, it's from the 30s. And yes, (laughs) it has pre... Like, I'm not advocating it. I'm saying that before rules were implemented, not only for, like, child labor and, like... um, a worker safety and all that kind of shit. There was no animal cruelty, anything. There was no rules against it because people thought it was a spectacle. People would have been like in awe of it. And it's terrible. It's horrible. It's just that 
It's already done. It's a movie that's made. It's not about animal cruelty. It has a segment in it about some zoo animals that are let out of their cages. And On a Hollywood soundstage, they just let some animals yeah. fight each other. Unfortunately, that was of the day. A and I'm not advocating it. I'm saying we can't undo it. And it also makes you realize you don't want to see it again. So if you want to see saying, real, real, and I, I emphasize real, animal on animal violence, it's not... CG or anything. It's just real animals fucking each other up. Why would you want to see it? I'm saying if you want to see it, that's where you can see it. You can also see... I mean, why would you want to? You want to see real animals getting killed? You can watch Cannibal Holocaust, because there's a lot you, of... Why are you recommending that people might want to see this? I'm sure some people don't care about animals being killed. People who listen to this, if you like watching animals be cruel to each other, we don't want you to or, listen. Or... Or humans killing Stop animals for real. right now. That is what I'm saying. Because <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust has lots of scenes of humans really killing animals. Before all well, lots of It wasn't before, actually. That wouldn't have been after it all It got the in rules. trouble, didn't it, for it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the but, rules kicked in in the 40s about animal cruelty, but still, there was still a lot of it. And people still say that if you train a dog to behave for a movie, it's cruel because that dog shouldn't be our entertainment. So I get that. So hooch, you mean? Any of it. Or any Turner. of them. Any animal. Any Going horse all that's the way being... back to the beginning. Turner or Hooch. Which one's the I don't best? know. Any of the... A horse being ridden or a camel being walked through the desert. It's all considered animal cruelty to some people. I'm going with Hooch. So the level of cruelty varies for different people. But in Murders at the Zoo, it's pretty obnoxiously bad. But that isn't a reason to like burn that movie and never watch it again. I don't think. It's a pretty shitty movie. <laughs> It's not as very of its day. You just haven't seen many movies from that time. It's not shitty. It's very of its time. It's pretty shitty. It, is the exa- it isn't. It's the it's same like quality. It's like that Three Stooges kind of guy. Right. It's of the exact same quality of so many movies. I've watched loads of movies Does from that the make 20s it good? and 30s. I didn't say it was good. It doesn't make it bad just because you didn't like it. Or just because it's wacky and weird. It's one of the weirdest ones I've ever seen. Oh, the worst movies I've ever seen. Mm, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, I'm me, sure you don't not. know what I've seen. I've seen many movies, right? Maybe not that bad. Because I've seen movies that's way the, worse than well, I mean, at the zoo. I'm saying that's <laughs> the worst one for me. So, uh, games and A. Scully stuff. Um, I have been playing... What have I been playing? Oh, I've been playing Forza Apex, which is the new Forza game on Windows 10. Um, the best thing about the new Forza game... You know what Forza is, right? Forza mm-hmm. Motorsport. You race cars. You've seen me racing cars. Top Gear are involved. You know my level of interest, right? Top Gear involved in it. <laughs> Very um, low. <laughs> I'm not into racing. My favourite thing about it, though, is if you own Windows 10, it is free. The whole thing is free. It is not full of microtransactions. There are none, actually. <laughs> it's just a free game. It's a AAA game. It's on the Xbox One. But for Windows 10, I think it's one of those, please use Windows 10. You can mm-hmm. have this free game. Um, so... It's the Xbox One version of the game, but it's kind of cut down a bit, but it's still a huge racing game with, like, top-notch graphics. It's not, like, some tablet kind of game or anything. And it's absolutely free on the Windows Store, which is a really good move, I think, from Microsoft. Because I thought, well, it's going to be free, isn't it? And then when I load it up, it's going to say, here's a Mini Cooper. Do you want a Ferrari? That's $10. They're going to do that. They don't do that. You unlock the cars by racing, which is perfect. That's exactly how a game should be. Exactly. So I was surprised because I was like, well, it's Microsoft. They're going to screw you, aren't they? Every single thing is going to be, 
pay some Microsoft bucks to do this and do that. And it doesn't have that. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. I don't think Microsoft is as guilty of that as EA. Yeah, EA well, are the worst. I think they're all... And these tablet games, they're just, like, rife with it. Like, all that stuff. Obviously, it makes money. Mm-hmm. That Clash Royale that I play. I haven't you know why? Because people are stupid. Yeah. But this is a good... It's a really awesome Forza title. You need a good video card in your computer because it's obviously top-notch. But um, it is free. I recommend it. It's called Forza Apex, which differentiates it from Forza 6, which is on the Xbox One. This is the Windows 10 version. Um... The other things, there's been some announcements this week for new games. The first one is Call of Duty this year. They've announced a new one. There's always one every year. It's not a big surprise that there's going to be Call of Duty again. This this year's one is called Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. And it's out on November the 4th. The big deal of this year's one is Activision. They split the Call of Duty teams up. There's three different Call of Duty teams now. And they make one every year. They have a team make one for one year, and then so right, they've got three. It's a little bit different. So there's three different teams working on Call of Duty games, and every third year, Infinity Ward, who are making this new one, Infinite Warfare, they come around. So because they implemented this, it gives each team three years to make a game instead of the year that they used right. to. Right. Which is better, right? Because I'll tell you now. When they get a year to make a game, and then a game comes out, it's not different from the year before because they've had no time to do anything. They've just changed a few things, and it's pretty much the same thing. So what's cool about this one, Infinite Warfare, and I don't know if they've took it too far from the trailer, but it's in space. Half it, <laughs> There's aliens. Uh, it, the enemy is aliens. So, you know, you could say Call of Duty Infinite Warfare is like Halo because... We're not dealing with real stuff anymore. We're dealing with laser guns. We're dealing with aliens invading the Earth. We're going into space in spaceships. There's a in the trailer it shows you the, the them in space fighting against them. So you could say it's Call of Duty's like gone so far away from. Yeah, what but Call if of we Duty... went ten thousand years in the future, that could be what's going on. No, I think it's cool, and I I said to you, I do want them to rein it in and go back to like warfare, like World War One or. Or whatever, like I want them to rain Call of Duty in because for the last four years it's been jetpacks and but laser guns. Would it be guns. the same as before? Why do it the same? Well, they've not done it for a long time. For the last four years, it's been future warfare in the future, not this far in the future, but in the future. So it's all like special things, nano things, and da da. You know. Right, not- but if you've been playing it, and then they go back to World War One, and people are just shooting normal guns at normal people. The people who have been playing it the whole time are going to be bored. Well, screw them. <laughs> They're the ones that keep Think buying of the it. Original You're not people. the one that keeps yeah. buying it anymore. But, but anyway, they they're probably not. Think of the original people who abandoned it. Because they went space and future. And right, like, but that number is probably way smaller than the number who keep buying it. Because the thing is, like, when Call of Duty first announced, oh, we're going to do, like, future warfare, it was cool the first time. The second time, it was like, oh, really? <coughs> we're going to have jetpacks again? It's kind of it makes Call of Duty not the same. If you can fly, it ain't the same. It's not running around shooting each it's other. Like to to uh, tournament. Yeah, it's like yeah. jumping up in the air and yeah. flying, and it's it, it's weird. It, it's not Call of Duty anymore. I wouldn't even mind if there was a mode in Call of Duty where they disable all the space stuff, just a separate mode where you can just play shooting each other. But they don't. It's all space stuff. But anyway, 
that's what Call of Duty is going to be this year. It's out November the 4th. But on the other side of the big first-person shooter wars, uh, EA make a, a, a very famous shooter called Battlefield. This year's Battlefield, which they announced today, is called Battlefield 1. So they're going right back to the beginning, <laughs> World War 1. So if Call of Duty... Well, there you can- go. If Call of Duty can't do it, Battlefield are doing it. And Battlefield has a trailer up that went up today, and it looks exactly like the kind of game I like. It's World War One. It's a cool story. It's very cinematic. So next year, when Call of Duty decides to go back to World War One, they'll have already been beaten to it by Battlefield. So those two games are coming out. Because <coughs> we all want them to do the exact same thing over and over and over and over and over. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare is November the 4th and Battlefield's in October. So uh, there's two big shooters coming out this year, no surprise. Next week, one of the biggest games of this year, I would imagine, and one of my favourite franchises of all time, along with Grand Theft Auto, is uh, Uncharted. Yeah. And the new Uncharted, Uncharted 4, comes out on May the 10th. I'll speak about it next week. I Naughty Dog. They are in a world... Like, Rockstar Games and Naughty Dog are in a class of their own, in my opinion, over any software houses. You've seen The Last of Us. You've yep. seen the other yep. Uncharted Last games. Last of Us really good. And the other Uncharted games. They are... It's almost like there's everybody else making games. They're good and everything, but then Naughty Dog <laughs> are like Pixar or something. They're like... Every single attention to detail thing is in their games. Same with Rockstar with Grand Theft Auto. So, you know, it's as triple A as you can get, really. A new Uncharted game. And they say it's the final Uncharted game. It's called A Thief's End. So that comes out next week. Uh, and that's it for my Games and A Schooly stuff. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Tonight will be some pasta with, um, is it, it's not Snazaroo. Uh, I always forget the name of it. Sockaroo. Paul Newman's. Paul Newman's Sockaroonie. 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 Right. That, but I'm making it kind of creamy, and we're going to have corn, not C-O-R-N, but Q-U-R-N, chicken, C-H-K, come in, not grounds, I'm going to do the bits. It's kind of hard to describe these things when you're not a vegetarian, for vegetarian, which is why I'm telling you what we're eating, in case people are like, oh my god, I don't know why in the last two weeks I've had so many meat jokes that people think are hilarious to say. To a vegetarian? Yeah. I don't care. Whatever. I don't care. I'm just saying. It's just it's, dumb, though, isn't it? It's not just dumb. It's like they want you to feel bad because you're not eating a dead animal. Right. I don't get why that's something you should feel embarrassed about or, like, weird about. Maybe because... they feel bad about it. No, they don't. And they just project no, it onto that. you. No, fuck that. They don't feel bad at all. They would slaughter and kill a pig right in front of you, right? But if you held up their cat by its tail and said, let's have this for lunch, motherfucker, <laughs> they'd be like, no, not my cat. That's not an animal. That's my cat. Because people like to... Because they're stupid. Pick and choose. And I... Don't get me wrong. I ate meat for 40 years. And I've I've eaten probably more steak than you will ever eat in your life. Because I was raised by a person who ran a stockyard. That's a person who deals in cattle all day long. My grandfather... In England, I... Owned a stockyard. My cousins own a meat processing plant in... I never ate any steak. Hardly. I mean, barely. We had steak in the freezer. The freezer, every year, my parents would get a half of a hog and a half of a cow butchered. And it would be in the freezer all in bits and pieces. And you'd just pull out a steak or you'd pull out a roast or you'd pull out a package of hamburger or pull out a package of bacon, cook it up in the afternoon, have a snack. You could cook it... My friends and I would come home from school, thaw out two or three steaks... Put them on the grill, 
and have them. That's luxurious. Yeah, because it wasn't like luxurious for us. I had like... For us, it's like it was like because we owned the cattle. You know what I had when I came home from school? <laughs> this wasn't every day. No, let me tell you. When I came home from school and I have a snack, I used to have pickled onion monster munch. Right? Oh, we ate lots of chips and dip <laughs> and frozen pizza. And, or a pot uh, noodle. Macaroni and cheese out of a... Not of a box, homemade macaroni and cheese or... You guys were living the life. We'd have uh, fried potatoes. But you're not because when you... Deal in cattle, it's not as pricey, remember? Right. So it's not going to be like an expensive steak. Um, so I've eaten my share of meat. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've eaten lots of dead hogs and dead chicken and dead cattle. Probably enough. It is enough, hopefully, to last me the rest of my life. Um, so when I say, oh, I'm going to order this taco, but uh, I would like, can you just put like all the veggies in there? And do you have any mushrooms or do you have anything else? And the waiter will sometimes be like, uh, okay. And sometimes they're like, sure, no problem. Like, they're getting used to it, maybe. I don't know. Because Meatless Mondays is a thing now. But then someone at the table will say, looks all right. Be better with hamburger in it. Or something like that. Or it needs bacon, you know. In a way that's like saying to you, <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, meat in it. And while it may be, like, jokey and everything, I don't get it. I don't get the joke. I don't sit there and look at everybody's plate and go, oh, you've got a dead piece of a person. Somebody's dead leg. Somebody got chopped up, bled out. They pulled out their guts. They ripped off their skin. They chopped them up. They did this and that to it. And now they're laying on your plate. And they cooked that creature who was just in a field or unfortunately in a horrible factory farm place doing its thing. And now you're going to eat it. And you know what? You're going to shit it out. I don't say that. It doesn't occur to me to say it, except when somebody says to me, you know. So that's why I mention what we're having for dinner usually. It's a vegetarian thing. We're not vegan. Vegan is one step more. Just don't eat animal parts and juices and whatnot. Um, Broth and everything. So tonight is pasta with veggie chicken and a sauce and some uh, corn and green beans, which you don't like. I like corn, but not green beans. I love um, making you things you don't like. And my advice is? Yeah, before we go. What does it say? Don't just nod and smile and pretend to agree with everybody all the time. Because it's fucking boring. I'm well, telling some, you now. Well, the, some people would say it's boring to have people... Oh, to have an opinion? No. To actually disagree with someone and have a discussion where the two people don't agree, but you can actually share some information, possibly inform the other person, learn something about a topic, not just sit there like a bobblehead and go, huh. Now, it depends on the circumstance, I understand. There are situations where your opinion could get you a punch in the face. I've lived it. I'm from a racist, closed-minded kind of life, you know, just the way you it was. You were racist? I was raised to be you that way, but not not overtly. Like you're going to be. It just is the culture where I'm from. So were you ever a racist? As well, as well, no. Because I remember when I was a child, my father would tell very horrible racist jokes, and I would literally, because he would have all these pals with their cigars hanging out of their mouth and drinking beer and acting like a bunch of dickheads, telling inward this and inward that and talking about Mexican people and people from other countries and anybody they saw and of course Jewish people everybody everybody who wasn't them right and I would literally I remember sitting and looking at them like little I mean I'm seven eight years old and just being like what why what what are you talking about 
Alright, so and, you weren't you were not a racist. What but I don't that? know if I wasn't racist. I just don't know if I ever understood it. I've never understood it. It just doesn't come naturally to me to insult somebody because of the way they look or their whatever the thing is about them. Until I know that individual person, and then if I want to put them down because of something about that individual person, I might do that. But not, like, lump them into a whole group or whatever. I, I've never got racism. I lived in an inner city where everybody was all different nationalities and races. Yeah, and but don't pretend like your city isn't racist, because every city No, I'm saying is. there's people... I never was racist. Well, I mean, I had, I had two girlfriends who were not British... And different coloured skin. So. I've had two husbands from two different countries. So I never um, never really registered with me. I, I, My first husband was Muslim. But I Turkish. see a lot of racists when I was growing you're up. You're nothing. And British, religious-wise, I mean, you're nothing. You were Catholic, and now you're in the nothing zone. So, I guess, if you're in a situation where people are being horrible and racist, and smiling and nodding is the only way you can get out of there with your teeth still in your head, or, well, with people still not wanting to kill you... That's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about at around a table at dinner time and you just smile and nod about some political comment and then the inside you're like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, have a discussion once in a while. Do you but know how boring is, the world's going to be in it, about a hundred years? I think it's also just... fine to keep your mouth shut and think you're I don't. an idiot. Yeah, I do. Of course that, you do, because that, that's you. That would make me feel that's superior. That's what's boring. To them. That's boring to have a dis- no discussion. I don't want everybody to agree with me. In fact, I don't want anybody to agree with me. I want to know exactly what you disagree with. And then you don't explain want to anybody me. to agree with you. No, because my combination of how I see the world and all of my impressions of the world and my opinions about things are very unique to me, right? I mean, I might go with the flow of different groups in one way or another, but my life experience is mine. Therefore, if you shine a light on something I've said or something I've seen and it's different... And then it makes me think differently. And I go, wow, you know what? I've actually never thought of it from that point of view, ever even thought of that. That's going to add to what I know about the world. It may not change my opinion, but you've just changed my life. Because I've never heard that or never seen it. When people just hum and haw and go, oh, well, I guess I'm wrong and you're right. I just want to fucking punch the wall because it makes me want to scream. No, I'm not right. I am what I am, and I would like some insight. That's how you, that's how you earn your opinions of the world, right? By input, not by jumping in a river of everybody thinking the same freaking thing. That doesn't. That's so boring. So if you're in a discussion with me, you could be opposite of me. That's great. I love it. I love it. Don't back down. Don't be a wuss. Don't be a big baby about it. Don't be all sensitive and shit. Say what you got to say. And we'll see where it goes. And I want to remind you first to clean your PC. (laughs) This is your once a year reminder. I took my PC apart this week, cleaned all the dust out of it. You know what? I bet a lot of people listening to this don't even have a computer anymore. I bet they have a tablet. Well, if you've got a tablet, get a cloth and wipe it. (laughs) But if you've got an actual desktop PC, once a year at least, take it out out of the room that it's in, take it outside possibly, get some canned air. Squirt all the dust out the back. I go over the board. I take everything apart and clean it all with disinfectant um, wipes. Make sure there's no dust anywhere. I was going to take it out back and hose it off. And you're like, no. That doesn't work. <laughs> um, but yeah, just clean it. Because your temperatures of everything inside your PC will get better if you clean the dust out of there. Because dust makes it hotter. 
So I also want to remind you about our websites, uh, aschoolie.com, sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast now on the Google Play Music Store. It's actually working in the app now on phones and uh, tablets. You just click on the podcast link, open the app. On the left, it says podcasts. When the podcast screen comes up, type after the show. You'll see us. We're on that page. Uh, amongst a bunch of other shows. Um, there's no other podcast called After the Show. Yeah. But there are other podcasts called with the word show. So we're on a page full of show. But we're about halfway down. How about if they just type Ace Scully? A-S-C-U-L-L-Y. I don't think, it, don't think that brings it up at all. You have to type After the Show. Mm. On Google Play. I tried it. I tried several things. They only seem to search from the name of the podcast. Okay. So, um, yeah, we're about halfway down the list. There's a picture of me and you talking into a microphone. It's kind of cartoonish. Stands out from all the others, actually, because most of the others are just boring looking. So, um, yeah, we're on Google Play. You can also catch us on the iTunes Music Store. We're very easy to find there. And you can also catch us on aschoolie.com. Just go there, click on the word podcast, and uh, you will find us. You can subscribe, listen on our page, do whatever you want. If you're, you're on Google, thingamajig, though. Sid Talk is doing an experiment trying to find us. Yeah, but it just brings up music. Yeah, go to the little three thing over there. Okay, on the left Choose hand podcasts. side, there's a little drop down and then there's podcast. And then type after the show. Let's see if this works live on air. <laughs> music, music, music. No, go down and it'll say podcasts and say see all. And then you'll see. Oh, yeah. You should see it. We're on the third row down. Third row down. Currently. And we're like a cartoon and most of the others aren't. Sure. Well, there's the after disaster, whatever yeah. that means. See, there's an, there's an after the show up there. More show after the show. Yeah. But it's, we're the after the show. <laughs> um, nice. And we have been for many years. So. It's got an E on it for explicit. That's only because I say the F word a lot. There's nothing I, I else really. I make sure it has explicit. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else explicit about it, so don't let that scare you. If you're listening now, then you know I've said the F word a few times. It's just the way it is, people. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, sugarcoat it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can catch us on there. You can also uh, email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't really care. And finally, stay classy, Mr. James Bond. Always classy and always ready to kill and bone a woman. Kill and bone a woman? <laughs> yeah. Like the same? <laughs> kill and then bone a kill woman. Kill somebody and then go Kill bone the woman and then bone her. Oh, dear. We've no. never seen that. Don't talk about it. That's no, terrible. like bone her. Like. Debone her, you mean? Yeah, debone. <laughs> We've never seen bone. <laughs> I'm going to say thank for yourself or someone will do it for you.